Dr. Deglutkar, sir, who is uh, going to deliver the keynote address today about decoding the Divalaya. His topic is the underlying philosophy of the temples and how uh, the temples were built with what kind of thought in uh, people's minds. And it's, uh, great, it's my great pleasure to introduce sir, because as I said, uh, I don't know if he considers me as a shishya, but I consider him as my guru. Uh, Professor Deglutkar, Dr. Deglutkar is a MA PhD and uh, he has had two delits conferred upon him. He is a very senior archeologist he was the president of Deccan College, which is one of the oldest and most prestigious institutions devoted to the study of uh, history and archaeology in India. He has written over 14 books and published over 100 papers. He has written books both in Marathi as well as in English. He has written both for a lay reader about the philosophy of the temples, about the philosophy of the murtis behind it. And he has also written scholarly works on the temples of Maharashtra and the uh, Apsaras, the, the female bracket figures in the temples of Deccan. Both these books are in English and they are uh, considered to be authoritative works in this particular area. He has been conferred upon several awards, uh, including the Punya Bhushan, which was the latest award that he received. That's the highest honor uh, given by the city of Pune to its citizens. He has uh, given lectures in India and abroad on Indian art and iconography. And uh, he is a wonderful orator. He comes from a family of uh, people who are very, very rooted in spirituality. And because of that, he has a ready reference of uh, Marathi literature, Sanskrit literature, everything. But I shouldn't be saying that. You should be listening to it and uh, experiencing it yourself. So I request uh, Dr. Deglurkar sir to please give the keynote address today, decoding the Diwalaya. Thank you. It is uh, again to be viewed from two angles. One is architectural and another is metaphysical. As we know, culture has two sides. One is material culture. Another is metaphys metaphysical culture. The earlier one is tangible. The other one is intangible. Earlier can be taken as architecture dealing with mortal things. The next one is to deal, to deal with immortal things gods, deities, and so on. To have a backdrop of my statement, I would like to show some slides as to show how temple architecture was developed. A Hindu temple is a symbol or rather synthesis of various symbols. Nothing that is seen on the temple is left unsaid in the verbal tradition, nor is any of the detail arbitrary or superfluous. Each has a definite place and is part of the whole. The devotee is not a mere spectator. He and thus fulfills the two objectives 
he has in visiting a temple. The Indians see the temple as the assimilation of Shiva with Jiva. That and the mortal. This type of a full-fledged table can correct import and implication, however, have transformed the science of architecture into metaphysics. Our talk would revolve around these aforesaid points, which are to be elaborated with the following aspects. Architectural aspect as religious edifice, philosophical aspect, temple as Of, of some sort of that we shall see later on. Pits are constructed. That is first from the volume cut with the वॉल्यूम कट होते हैं Yeah. Okay, sir. Uh, in that case, you can um, you, uh, stop your video and just do the audio and just show the presentation. So bandwidth vatil tacha mora ani awat changlayel. Oh. And can we start from the first slide? Karan madhla video gela hota. And okay. everybody, please switch off your videos. Okay. Is it okay now? Yeah, yeah. Now it's okay. Just uh, revert to the previous slide, please. Madla video gela hota. Okay, okay, okay. Ah, yeah. uh, I'm to deal with uh, these points while speaking about temple architecture, material side of that, and metaphysical. first this is the architectural aspect of temples second as religious edifice then philosophical aspect and temple as a social institution now when we see this yagya that is being performed that is the first probably is or the origin of temple architecture because in shilpa sutra of brahmanas the various types of sacrificial pits have been described with their measurements and all so this can be taken as the first and then we go to at sanchi stupa where temple is shown or here and a sort of idea can be 
had from this sculpture. Now this is another development of temple architecture where three slabs have been placed vertically and as a roof there is another slab that is horizontally placed. This might have been another step of temple architecture. This is dolmen-like structures. Now here, when we, we have already seen the yagya performance of yagya, that is this one is made up of bamboos and thatch. This is for the initiation of the uh, disciple. This is called dikshagraha. This might have been another step. And when we come later on to 5th, 6th century AD, we go to these um, temples at Teri in Usmanabad district of Maharashtra. This is Trivikrama temple, which is apsidal in construction. This one is very well known and everybody who has to study temple architecture has to study this temple. This is as Deogad in Madhya Pradesh, which had in fact earlier, this was Panchayatana. Now this is, this was in dilapidated condition, architectural, architecturally this is very unique one of, as far as that period is concerned. These are the various shikharas or towers of Nagara type of I think I should say something about Nagar. Nagar type of temples in South India, we have the waste. Is it audible now? Sure. Yeah, Madhya Madhya lag hota hai. Slightly, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at both these uh, places, temples, that we shall see later on. But this Sinequan of Nagara type of temple is this Amalaka, that is the fluted circular member at the top of the tower. This one is to be seen at every place in Odisha, in Khajurao, in Rajasthan, Gujarat, and Maharashtra. So this is the main characteristics of or sine qua non of temples in Nagara style. While when we go to the Deccan or the South, there are the temples which are topped with stupika or cupola, but that we shall see in another side. Now this is the temple, full flesh temple we may say, this is from Odisha. Now this, this the vertical tower is constructed on the shrine or on the sanctum sanctorum or garbhagraha. This is called rahapaga or vertical tower. And the other one 
in front of it is known as Jagamohana, that is Sabhagraha or hall, which is which has Ghanta Kalasha, this is like a bell, and then we have stepped Shikhara, which is known as Pida. At, at various regions, we see the nomenclatures of shrine and of hall are different. Now we have come to the Dravida type of temple. This is from Mahabharipuram. At both these corners, these are constructed in pyramidal style. At the corner, we get the um, small shrines known as kutas, and in the middle is shalas. Now, we get a prashtakruti. Now, at the top, as I said, this is cupola or stupika. This is the sine qua non of Dravida temple. Wherever you go, you will find Dravida temple with this type of member of the Shikhara. Even you go to Pennsylvania or in other places in America, you will find this type of temple that has been constructed over there. And if Stupika is there, it is to be taken as of Dravida school or Dravida style. We can see here this Stupika. And this one, this is the Brahadishwara temple of Tanjavur in Tamil Nadu. And you will find that at the top below the pot, um, Stupika is over there. This is more than 200 feet in height, constructed in 13, 13 storage. And wonderful thing is the stone that has been used over here have, have been brought from 30 kilometers away from this place. See how this is in a way a wonder as far as that period is concerned. This is constructed by Raja Raja Chola in 1000 AD CE, we may say. Now, in short, I give this. This is very important to be seen as far as temple architecture is concerned. All parts of uh, a human body have been conceived while temple is being constructed. At the top, we get the um, kalasha along with hair that is uh, in place of hair, um, kalasha is shown. Then come to the amalaka place. Amalaka is consisted of forehead and face. Then again, you come to the joint of the top portion along with the body of the temple that is known as beki or neck and then shoulders. Then heart is shown, belly is shown, waist part is shown, thighs are shown, known as jangas, then knee and then you know, calf and feet also are to be seen. These are the parallel things as far as the temple parts of our members of temples are concerned. Now this one is very important temple according to me. This is um, the Kandariya Mahadev temple of Khajurao. Now again you can see at the top the Amalaka and then the um, various 
towers on various parts of the shikara. See, at the front, there is this Mukhamandapa, and on the, on the Mukhamandapa, a shikara is like that of pyramid. Then again, Mandapa is there. Then again, we have Mahamandapa. And at the end, there is this Antarala or vestibule, which is fronted uh, of a shikara, which is constructed on the sanctum. This is very uh, important te temple as far as philosophy of temple is concerned. This can be described later on. Now we shall go to see various elements of temples or members of temples. Now this is the plinth up to this part and every part of this plinth or basement are uh, having technical names or nomenclators. The lowest one is known as Kura. Then later on, which is um, Sima Riversa, Kumuda, Kirti Mukhathara, Ashwathara, Upana, etc. And the main part of Again, the audio is gone. Sura Apsarat. I think some days back, Shefali has. Just a minute. Yeah. I'll change the position so that would be clear. Yeah, now it's clear actually. Please excuse me. Oh, this is beautiful. Just give him two minutes. Yeah, yeah, take your time. Just the slide is so beautiful. Sir, for the previous slide, pass my explanation to Rukara. Okay, okay. Video, audio okay, okay, okay. Hmm. Ah. This is uh, this is uh, another slide which shows the plinth or basement, which is known as Vedika also of the temple. Now each uh, horizontal part of this basement is having nomenclature. This one like Shima Riversa, then the Kumbha, then again Kirti Mukhathara, then Upana, and again we have Kumuda. And the wall of the temple, exterior wall of the temple, which is with recesses and projections, is known as Mandovara, and uh, that is the exterior wall. And in the, um, on the projected part of these vertical parts, the various images of gods and goddesses are carved, and in the recesses we get the sculptures of Surasundaris. 
we have come to another slide suggesting all these parts which I have already narrated, but this is, and these are known as Deva Koshtas, in which the images of main deities are carved out. Now this is Brahma with Savitri, and the top one is of Chamunda. This has been already described by Shefali the other day. That is Kirti Mukhathara, and then elephant, elephants are shown to show, suggest, uh, suggesting the strength. Velar is suggested by the row of horses. And in Narathara, that is the various activities of human beings are shown. Now, as far as ground plan of the temple is concerned, there are various plants. Uh, this one is shown with a sanctum. The corner of that sanctum is shown touching to the square part of the Sabhapandapa. This again is another one. Here two squares are shown touching each other and the smaller one is of a shrine and bigger one is of a Sabhapandapa. Now we come to see the Ambarnath plan temple in Thana district near Mumbai, you find that the temple, both the wall of the shrine as well as of Sabha Mandapa, they are with various projections and recesses. This is known as starlight or construction. This we have from um, Odisha, Mukteshwar temple. Even then you find the Amalaka at the top of the Shikara. The, obviously this is to be taken as of Nagara type. The um, Shikara is fronted with the roof of Sabha Mandapa, which I have already shown that that is known as Pida Devut. And then this temple is fronted with a um, very beautiful Torana. Now we have come to the ground plan of the Kandariya Mahadev temple, which is at Khajurao. This temple, as I said, is a very full-fledged temple. We, we call it full-fledged temple, which is, uh, which has a very different ground plan. In fact, many temples at Khajurao are having with uh, having this type of ground plan. That is, the the uh, plan is known as Latin cross because you know the the sanctum also has two um, parts extended, and the Mahamandapa also has two. So. This is not a single cross, but this is double cross. We call it Vibhujapuri. And then we come to the various parts of the um, temples. This is the um, door, entrance door of um, Sanctum, which, which has every, as Stella Kramrish says, every sculpture 
has its own meaning and own place as far as this concerned. Now, see the at the bottom of these shakhas or jams of the uh, temple door, we have Ganga and Yamuna. I will go to uh, later on to describe what is the purpose of Ganga and Yamuna to be on the shrine door. Now, this is the lintel consisting of the figures of Navagrahas, in the center of which is the image of Vishnu and support and um, and at the corners or extremes we have the images of Buddha, Brahma and Shiva. So probably the importance is given here of Vish to Vishnu being in the center. Obviously the temple must be belonging to Vishnu. Here we have the threshold with the figures of Kirtimukha and Kirtimukha is taken as a demonic figure which is uh, supposed to devour the sins of the devotee and before um, going to the sanctum his sins are devoured by these Kirtimukhas and then when he becomes pure, he is to be allowed to be in the sanctum. This is the concept behind the carving of these Kirtimukhas. This is Makarath Mukha, Crocodile Mukha, the water of ablution that is given to the God is to be drained out uh, outside the temple and that is to be drained out through this Makara Mukha or face of um, Makara. This is uh, symbolic because the Vahana of Ganga is Makara and the water which is to be taken from Makara Mukha is to be supposed to be of Ganga. So this is Ganga Jala and obviously devotee can take Tirtha of this. Now this is Nandi Mandapa which is specially constructed in front of Vishwanath temple at Khajurao. Now see this Amalaka is very clearly shown below the uh, pot or Kalasha. So this is the Sinequanan of Nagar type of temple. And here we have the stupika or cupola that is Dravida type of temple is to be topped with this type of member. Now this is another type of shikara generally to be made with at Khajurao. This is, these are the um, various shikharas in fact. One is the central one is the important one and in front of that there is another one that is known as Urushrungas and then there would be many Urushrungas on these things. It is said that some 86 shikharas like this one are, uh, to, be are to be seen in the shikhara of Khajurao. Now this is 
भूमि जो टेम्पल एंड विच इज पंचायतन दैट इज फोर अदर टेम्पल स्मॉलर वन आर टू बी कंस्ट्रक्टेड ऑन द on the same platform where the main temple is constructed now this one this idea of worshiping five gods together is um, given by adi shankaracharya to us so that there won't be any clash between the followers of various sects suppose here at this at shinna this is the temple where in in the central one is dedicated to shiva while the other four subsidiary shrines are dedicated to vishnu ganesh mata that is devi and so on so one can see all the uh, gods of various sects or cults to be worshiped together this is the same gondeshwar temple which is bhumi jashikara but the top and this one as i said earlier this is vesara shikara that is the shikara is to be seen generally almost in the in the round it is circular at the top is stupika these are some of the surasundaris to be shown on the now this is um, a lady is shown uh, seeing in the mirror this is not any type of um, saundarya uh, this thing it is in fact it is suggested that one should look into one self know thyself that is socrates has said at the temple of delphi it is written now these are some of the surasundaris i don't go into the details because of the constraint of time this is um, bhumi jo temple at ambarnath where only one um, uh, register or band of sculptures we see this is ekajanga temple while this one is at markandi and khajura also this is three ganga temple that is three registers of three bands one above the other containing the sculptures of gods and goddesses and other things have been seen this is known as three ganga temple now this is very important when we go to see this um, temple as a social institution this is known as rangashila it is meant for presenting performance in front of being in front of god in the sanctum uh, if you have to present a nritya or hari kirtana etc we have to be on this rangashila and uh, uh, perform the various kirtanas or pravachanas or something like that now this is gadyathara all these have been described this one is mukhamandapa known as um swargamandap and all these at all these top of the temple uh, pillars are shown 
Ashtadikpalas because temple is is taken as the prasad and God in the temple is the representative of God in the heaven. Now, because of this palatial building, Ashtadikpalas, guardians of uh, directions are to be uh, there. So all these Ashtadikpalas are carved out over here. This is the sanctum. Inside we can see this installation of Shiva in, in the form of uh, Shiva Linga. Now uh, we take this as merely as Shiva Linga, but in fact, philosophically speaking, this is Parashiva, that is Brahma, ultimate uh, supreme or paramount soul. This is a door frame of Khajuraho temple. This is the Shivalinga. Now, when we see this type of uh, Shivalinga uh, with four faces, now this is known in iconography as Sadashiva. This is the ceiling that has been carved out, and ceiling has many parts which can be uh, can have nomenclature, different nomenclatures. For instance, the outermost uh, ring consisting of the uh, design just like the ear of frogs and then we have lumas that is the um, kamalas or rose, um, lotus flowers etc very intricately carved ceiling now I go to discuss some of the uh, images which are um, to be uh, installed in sanctums. Now this is Ashtamurti Shiva. See Shiva has eight faces over there. Four to the cardinal directions and then four are shown. Uh, two are shown on the shoulder and two are shown at the juncture of uh, thighs. Now this Ashtamurti Shiva is the um, family deity of the Pala kings of B Bengal. Now Kalidas also has described this type of image of Shiva in uh, Kumar Sambhava as well as in Shakuntala. Tasyakaram Shaila Guru Panitam Jagraha Tamram Gulim Ashtamurtihi. This is known as Ashtamurti. So there is another one that is Twelve-headed Shiva. It is described in Mahabharata as Dvadasha Sarva Parshva Mukha Shiva. Parshva that is sign. Now four directions, cardinal directions, as I have shown in earlier slide, are there. And at the top there are another four uh, faces. Um, those are of course uh, southeast, northeast, etc. So from all sides. Shiva is um, looking at the universe, Parshva that is side. Now this is very wonderful uh, image of Shiva. We got it from um, Madhya Pradesh at a place known as Tala. Now Shiva is shown carrying almost all animals and creatures on his body. So this is known as 
सर्वभूत वहित्र शिव दैट इज पाशुपति और पशुपति दिस इज विठल दिन डिटी ऑफ महाराष्ट्र एंड दी मेन डिटी ऑफ वारकारी कल्ट नाउ दिस इज दिस इज the image known as yoga sthanaka vithala murti in as far as iconography is concerned we have four types of images yoga murti bhoga murti dakshana murti etc now this is yoga sthanaka murti ha ah, this is very important to be seen this is of surya who is shown with gumboots on that is high boots in his yeah this is gumboots um, this is in a way this type of image was worshiped in persia in ancient persia and there are two um, groups of worshipers one group was worshiping fire agni puja and another is worshiping uh, sun sun god now agni puja or the fire worshipers have driven out the sun worshipers of course where they should go then so they have been in india and india has given them a shelter so all these sun worshipers um, have been in india and settled in north india and so there are the the uh, images of surya which is to be seen right from kashmir khajura to gujarat all at all these places the surya image is shown with gumboots so from 5th 6th century ad we are very tolerant people we accepted these people in our society and these people are known as mag brahmanas now this is very important figure this is of chaturspad vilakshana sadashiva i i think you can see four legs to uh, to this murti this image two are hanging down and two are in a um, cross position now the the these are known as charya pada kriya pada yoga pada and jnana pada you know the shaiva siddhanta which was very popular in madhya pradesh in 10th century 11th century ad these images have been formed have been prepared to suggest this uh, this is in a way pun in sculpture because shaiva siddhanta has four principles known as charya pad kriya pad yoga pad and jnana pad so the sculptor under the guidance of a philosopher has prepared this type of image suggesting all these um, features of shaiva siddhanta charya pad means the maintenance of the temple kriya pad means the way of worship abhishek naivedya all these things then the um, dressing of the image and uh, ornamentation of the image all these are expected as far as kriya kriya pad is concerned and the third one is yoga after doing all these things you have to meditate upon some sort of image 
and when this is done you can get knowledge knowledge of what gnan of what of brahman so to achieve brahman to to get yourself along with or united with the brahman this type of image is to be worshiped this is pancharatra philosophy has been personified in this image this is known as vaikuntha it has sankarsana at one place then another face is of pradyumna third is of vasudeva the main one is of vasudeva this is the deity to be worshiped by the pancharatra school and this is ardhanarishwara we generally think that this is the combination of uh, or mix image syncretic image of purusha and stree or woman but that is not the case philosophically we have to describe this as purusha that is spirit chaitanya and prakruti stree that is prakruti that is matter when spirit and matter comes together obviously the universe is created so this is the personification of seshwara sankhya because sankhya philosophy has two main um, items that is purusha and prakruti so this is the personification of sankhya philosophy and this is finally we see the image of nataraja not as you know probably from when we have we have been in south there is a place known as chidambaram and at chidambaram in the main shrine this type of image of nataraja shiva is installed this is only temple in india which has image of shiva installed in a sanctum and as you know shiva has to play many roles while he is shown dancing you know 108 forms of tandava nrutyas are there tanasavsputi tanrutya kati samamudra nrutya urdhvaja nrutya and urdhva nrutya and so on so one of these is to be seen here this is the final type of nrutya or dance that is danced by shiva or nataraja you see in the upper right hand there is damaru that is kettle drum and from that damaru you get the sounds like lung lulu panini at the beginning of his vyakarana has given this description so shabda that is creation is suggested by this um, motif the second hand uh, to the right is shown in in abhaya mudra that is sign of protection third hand is shown with either with fire agni or with uh, uh, trishula that is destruction but destruction is not forever it is to be reabsorption in the society and here you see shiva has pressed with one of his legs a, a demonic figure like mayulaka rakshas that is dushta pravrutti has been pressed under his feet under his foot and the other foot he has raised 
to give liberty to the pious people, virtuous people. But more than that, see the Urol or Prabhavalaya around the figure of Shiva, where the where the five fires are shown, flames are shown. Each one contains five flames. That is Prithvi, Aptej, Vayu and Akash. Shiva is the creator of this thing. And if he tilt, if he tilts to either this side or that side, then there would be Pralaya. So he is very consciously shown dancing. This is Nataraja and you probably know that <clears throat> few years back, our scientists have presented these two, um, the uh, nuclear uh, lab at Geneva. Now we go to the another place. Maybe not. Now I go to describe the metaphysical aspect of Shiva. With this background which we have seen just now, I will proceed. Any society can be known comprehensively only when we know its culture. Culture has two aspects, material and metaphysical. The material aspect is known from the things and the materials which a society uses and with which society tries to lead a happy worldly life. The metaphysical side consists of the thoughts that culminate in creative outpourings, religious, philosophical, ethical, literary, and artistic. By the material culture, one knows the outer casement body of a society, and by the metaphysical one, one understands its soul. Society, sans culture, even if materially rich, is like mortal being without a soul. Art, architecture, and paintings are considered an important source for understanding the material culture of a society but they are not sufficient to understand life in its entirety because they do not throw adequate light on the metaphysical life of society. This other side is kept in the dark. The exception is that of the temples among architecture and icons as far as sculptured stones are concerned. Both of these form a precious source of knowledge of both the material and metaphysical aspects of culture. Scholars like Lethaby define architecture as a matrix of civilization. Others state that it reveals man's mind in terms of wood, bricks, and stone. On the basis of these and other definitions, one can visualize architecture, which enables us to know man's mind and the height of material culture, which man has achieved, but the knowledge of sir, the working it, of the mind. Sir, yeah? sorry, slide, slides are hit us or are you just talking? If you're just yes, talking. Yes, I'm just talking. Slides are over. 
Second okay, part. Okay, then uh, you can start. Yeah, then you can actually stop this uh, screen slide uh, share screen, and you can start your video. Video. Share screen. Banda karata. Since there are no slides, and we would rather see you. No, he is reading from the screen. Okay. Okay. But you can stop. So we can see him then reading. That's okay. So okay. let him click on that document. No? I think he's wanting to click on the document. Yeah. Okay. Or, or or make the or open the document because right now I'm only seeing the screen. So if you open the document, then the people also can read. Video salwa. Video salwa. Okay. 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 Ah, yes. This ah, is perfect. Ma video. Ma video. Banda kela tari salal. Then you can read the whatever is convenient for you. Yeah. this is okay now i think yes yes yeah, yeah. this is this, okay this is okay this is okay yes scroll down as you speak yeah 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 color slide shall i start again not again. yes please. no sir you can start from scholars like lethabi yeah huh. scholars like lethabi define architecture as a matrix of civilization other state that it reveals man's mind in terms of wood bricks and stone on the basis of these and other definitions one can visualize architecture which enables us to know man's mind and the height of material culture which man has achieved but the knowledge of the working of the mind does not mean the knowledge of the metaphysical attainments while this holds good for secular architecture of all kinds the temples are a marked exception these religious structures are not simply places of worship and devotional congregation but they have been conceived conceptually from their very foundations to their finials the structural concept draws its inspiration from the vedic tradition and the sacred lore of brahmanism but their actual shapes and forms are the product of primeval modes of building whose rules are enshrined in the treatise on architecture it will be evident in the course of detailing the temples that nothing that is seen in the temples is left unwritten in the literary tradition nor norms any of the detail arbitrary and superfluous each has a definite place and is part of the whole temple architecture in india was born of the truly indian concept of a divinity in a spiritualized body the organic theory cognizing architecture in terms of human organism permits the entire structure of a hindu temple and constitutes the primary subject matter of shilpa shastra ancient seers might have always conceived of the human body as an abode of god but it took the stapatis very long time to put forth a structure in the likeness of the human form when the prasad finally appeared it was the realization of the dream of centuries of the ancient seers philosophers and stapatis alike the seers might have spent a long time cherishing the dream the philosophers struggling for words to express it 
and the sapati is trying to manifest it in concrete form. There existed the philosophic injunction for the assimilation of the external with the internal of the macrocosm with the sorry, macrocosm with the microcosm, or in other words, the identification of the individual soul with universal soul. The Indian stapatis, however, took some centuries to translate into appropriate visual form the abode of the immanent spirit, the God in the universe. His omnipresence had to be confined within the walls of the shrine in a befitting manner as the soul within the human body. The fundamental purpose of the temple architecture in India was to concretize the prevailing spiritual ethos, consciousness into rock, brick, and stone. The enunciation by ancient philosophers of the organic theory that God and his temple correspond to the soul and the human body posed a challenge before the stapatis. This was the stage where some sort of a structural shrine was felt necessary to house the anthropomorphic form of a deity. The stapatis in this respect had to start from naught. There was no model, no structural form to emulate. First of all, leafy boer, then a reed hut, and afterwards the Vedic altar or Chiti might have shown the way. Though none of these can be taken as a temple, the dolmen with a single large flat slab of stone supported by three upright slabs set on edge so as to form a small chamber with an open side serving as an entrance provided another model and another stage of development. The flat roof temples of central India of the Gupta era are probably after the dolmen model, built of large well-cut stones, dressed to level beds and placed on one upon the another without any mortar or cementing material. These temples all contained cubical sanctuaries. Various play phases of stone temples of the dolmen type are made with in South India some of roughly hewn stones and with a stone linger in the interior. Though architecturally the dolmen is to be taken as the prototype of the sanctum of the Hindu temple, there are other sacred buildings which have preceded the Hindu temple, adding their meaning and their shape to the cube of the sanctum. These are the Vedic shade of initiation and the tabernacle made of bamboo, within which a divine presence is known to dwell while being worshipped. At the stage of the tabernacle, the prototype of the sanctum evolves within a square-shaped plain interior, enclosed within four walls. It is this square form of the Garbhagra which acquired the popular designation temple from the Roman templum a square fenced off paragri. But the Garbhagra merely, though it constitutes the temple's 
essential core as much today as it ever did, cannot make the complete temple as conceived by ancient seers. These early sanctuaries were comparatively small structures in size, much inferior to the monumental religious edifices, which came up later, so that it seems more appropriate to classify them not as prasadas or vimanas, but as shrines or chapels. They were obviously only a beginning, but they were important because they were the nucleus of the temple proper, themselves being merely a prelude to such a structure in its more mature form. A temple, according to Brahmanic perception, is the visible outer casement of the invisible deity, the visible image of which installed in it. It is regarded like the human body as the outer visible form of the formless. And so the sthapatis had to strive hard to endow the shape of the human body to the temple structure, which had evolved by then to the sanctum stage. It was at Ayoli that the structural temple, assuming an introductory form, had its real beginning. In several of the examples at Ayoli, it is possible to see the first emergence of the temple structure. Due to a ferment activity of temple building, the temple here could get additional features, such as a small upper story or embryo shikara and antarala or vestibule and a pillared mandapa. The addition of these parts to the temple structures implies a few steps forward in the development of the completed temple design. Nonetheless, judging from the varied forms and these temples, it is clear that no definite decision had yet been reached as to the type of structure most suitable for Brahmanical worship. As will be seen, it seems as if both the philosophers and the builders were seeking for a formula which would fulfill the requirements of the creed. It was finally in the sixth century and thereafter that the Sthapati succeeded in realizing the dream of ancient seers by creating a temple form on the model of the human body. Various parts of a temple now designated by names corresponded with the names of various limbs of the human body, infusing and blending the harmony and the perfection of human form into the temple structure vis-a-vis -vis of human body to be viewed subjectively aimed at the organic unity of structure. According to Mayamata, the temple contains the whole manifestation in which he is beheld as Purusha, the supernal man, the Agni Purana, the Hayashirsha Pancharatra, the Shilparatna, etc. describe various parts of the temple along with the corresponding limbs of the human body. They describe Kalasha as the hair, the Amalaka, the head, the Kantha, the throat, the Shukanasa, the nose, the Vedi, the shoulders, the Bhadras, the arms, the entrance, the mouth, the doors, the lips, the Janga, the Shanks, and the image that is Pratima is the Jeeva, its life. 
temples with all these in, in, ingredient parts are full-fledged and can be called prasada, according to Samarangana Sutradhara and Vimana, according to Ishana Kusheva Gurudeva Paddhati. A complete temple in all respects is the achievement of the ancient architect. He could succeed in achieving this not earlier than 9th century of the common era. This full-fledged temple is called Prasada, that is Nagara style of Vimana in the Dravida. Prasada consists of a Garbhagraha, an Antaraya, a Mandapa, a Mukhamandapa, etc. Above the Garbhagraha rises a Shikara or tower, which is called Mulamandiri, which again consists of Griva, Skanda, Sukhanasa, Amalaka, and Kalasha. In this type, one finds the reflections of the spiritual ideal of India. God is the spirit immanent in the universe and the temple is his abode. At long last, here comes the manifestation of the dream of ancient philosophers who could think of the abode of God in the likeness of human body. In this form alone, can we see the assimilation of the Shiva with Jiva? the immortal and the mortal. The saints of Maharashtra have said, body is a temple of the God. Whose abode is this? Whose body is this? God himself can only know it. This type of a full-fledged temple can rightly be taken as the supreme achievement of Indian architecture. Its correct import and implication, however, have transformed the science of architecture into metaphysics. Life is a pilgrimage from birth to death. Death is but another stage of life and in itself does not bring final release, that is moksha. Final release from existence and all its limitations is gained only through knowledge, through Brahmajnana, the realization of supreme identity with Brahman is a means and an end itself. It gives and it releases to the great mass of people who are without the faculties and training for Brahman. By this great realization of the supreme principle, knowledge, the other road lies open, that of the temple. A visit to a temple for the purpose of darshana, for simply looking and gazing at the deity will result in the intuitive realization of oneness. The architecture of the temple has been arranged in such a way that a faithful, through his sagunopasana, can automatically and intuitively achieve the essential knowledge and realization of the supreme principle. The temple embodies philosophy needed for the sadhaka to attain Brahmajnana. Kandariya Mahadev Temple at Khajuro is the perfect embodiment of the finest and the full-fledged in temple building. The temple stands on Jagati, that is Plintharadishthana, which is approximately eight meter high and bears on the surfaces of the walls scenes from everyday life. The scenes depict bathing in the pond, performance of penance, fetching water from the lakes, cooking, carrying fuel, carrying stones to the studio for the master sculpture, 
teacher with students around, intoxicated men and women, women adorning themselves with ornaments, arranging hairdos, but far more striking are scenes of men and women shown in different sexual positions, bringing, bringing to life the Kama Sutra of Vatsaya. The surroundings of the scenes are enriched with flora and fauna, which add the final finishing touches to the householder's life. This is the scenes portraying the various activities, day in and day out of men and women, unfolding the varied life of Grahastashrami householder. The devotee who wishes to go to the temple has to climb up his jagati. While doing so, he has to leave behind the samsara and proceed towards the other world, his world. The jagati is thus the first step forward and away from the mundane life into the mandapa, where all over celestial beings like Gandharvas, Apsaras, and Vidyadharas are shown along with demigods, Vantara Devata. So now leaving his fellow men behind, he enters into one of the four kinds of realization, Salokata, Samipata, Sarupata, and Sahityata. Salokata, that is the company of the higher beings, means amidst the demigods. The arrangement of the mandapa on an elevated level than Jagati implies that the company of these celestial beings is a higher elevated state of mind. After attaining it, the devotee goes to the antarala. Across it is the Garbhagraha. Being in the antarala is Samipata, that is being nearer to God. This is the second mukti. The entrance to the Garbhagraha is framed by the door, which is elaborately carved. The numerous divinities appearing on it often related to the main image in the Garbhagraha. The door and the central image are closely connected. The divinity to which the temple is dedicated has its image as a rule also carved on a small scale in the center of the door lintel, technically called Lalata Bimba. He presides over the entrance and his gatekeepers are stationed below, to the right and left at the door jams. These guardians of the threshold flank the god and symbols of the entrance. Most conspicuous are the large images of river goddesses. The presence of the rivers purifies the devotee from all times of his human state. According to Brahma Vaivarta Purana, it is equivalent to a bath taken in the sacred waters. The energy of the waters is so great, is so great that the bath itself confers diksha, initiation, ablution, transmutation, and initiation are affected at the entrance itself. The guardians at the threshold, the Dwarapalas, are the most enduring images of the door where contaminations with the impurities of the mortal world have to be warded off. The dutiful and alert Dwarapalas, failing in their duty, face even capital punishment. The Garbhagra is a secluded spot, the core interior of a temple. 
the name refers also to the anatomy of the human body and to the inception of life itself it is the house of the garbha the germ or embryo and one enters it to attain a new birth in its darkness in the beginning this universe existed in the shape of darkness samobhutam in the beginning of creations there was darkness hidden in darkness as the devotee enters the darkness of the primeval womb wherein dwells as god or ishwara the supreme principle that motivates the universe he becomes one with it losing his identity merges with it to be born anew to a state of bliss purified and totally transformed this is the final stage to achieve mukti or moksha known as sayujya in the words of saint nyaneshwar one could achieve mukti if the stands even for a while in front of god image in the shrine devatiya dwari ubhakshana bari tene mukti chari sadhiye as the devotee enters the dimly lit garbhagra he sees the god for whom he has been longing all through in his own exact image with eyes nose hands and legs he exclaims soham he is one he is none but me but the upanishads shares have said tatvamasi that the word if saha is tat and if i am that then the realization is equal to aham brahmasmi this is the ultimate realization to be achieved by a devotee this is moksha or salvation the temple is thus an instrument to obtain ultimate knowledge that is brahman the thinkers and seers who have advocated saguna upasana have created in the form of a temple a path towards its fulfillment the erection of temples thus enables the donor builders to accrue punya since they are providing an instrument of a path to the saguna upasaka to attain moksha in scores of copper plate grants and epigraphs we get references to the construction of temples by the royal and the elites of the ancient and medieval periods desirous of this great merit thus a full flesh temple which aims to lead the devotee towards moksha and the knowledge of the supreme principle brahman is the highest achievement of ancient indian architecture like bimba brahma of the iconographist advaita brahma of the philosophers nad brahma of the singers the vastu pandits are not lag behind in evolving a vastu brahma which i have described so far thank you very much well, that was a wonderful wonderful lecture and uh, you brought out the philosophy behind the temple so beautifully that i don't have anything more to say but uh, just as uh, the one thing that keeps coming to my mind is our temples were always not just a place for congregation where people would meet and uh, just pray 
but they were a step to achieve greater unity the, the the state of unity the state of advaita with the individual soul with the with the with the brahman and that you brought out very beautifully it was an extremely wonderful memorable lecture and i'm sure every person who is listening to this is in agreement with me right now i only wish i could take question and answer but unfortunately this is no time i'll have to skip it but i truly appreciate your taking the time the presentation of course we'll share these lectures on youtube and we'll provide the link and the lecture that uh, sir gave is actually also mentioned in the preface of his uh, book the temples of maharashtra it's a wonderful authoritative book on all temples of maharashtra it's uh, it's in reprint right now it's just been uh, released so please look it up on google and you'll find it and you'll find uh, most of the stuff that sir talked about in the preface to that book and once again uh, i what can i say just namaskar khup chhan jala khupat sundar nehmi pramane thank you and uh, i would appreciate it if you could stay for a little time more and listen to the other uh, yeah yeah sure 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 i am eager okay okay thank you so much sir